0: All right, so welcome back, everybody. It's been a long time since we did this. I think the last time we did it was before COVID. COVID actually just threw everything off track, and uh, uh, we want to get this going again. Um, The forum is, you know, looking at the weekly Parsha and uh, trying to... uh, flesh out some of the messages, whether they be parenting messages, interpersonal relationship messages, just seeing the beauty and the depth of what Torah has to offer us in terms of enriching our own lives. And uh, I want to share with you an idea that I uh, actually started working on listening to a class from my own Rosh of Rav Yochanan Should Live and Be Well, so I want to share it with you and... Um, we will, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes, in terms of uh, after bit. But one of the the beauty, I think, the, the beauty of what it is that we're going to try and accomplish is you see how nobody knows how to read the psukim like the rabbis. You know, you see the sensitivity that they have and the messages that they have to every single, literally, letter as to what is supposed to be teaching. So let's start with. Just the basic reading, and then I'll open the forum as well if anyone has any questions, but I, I just want to uh, see just a simple reading and then see how it's not so simple. So we're talking about over here a serious matter. It says, is that there is a, an, a, a prohibition which is mentioned a number of times in the Torah that a person is not allowed to oppress a widow or an orphan. Uh, generally, these are more uh, the downtrodden society. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, God says, Listen, I'm not going to allow that. And if you do oppress him, and we can see, we'll talk about today why it's focusing specifically about the orphan, because you're not supposed to be oppressing the widow either. seems to be switching now to the orphan. But if you oppress him, Ki'im tzau kitzak elai, for he cries out to me. Right, Shama Eshma tzakaso, I will surely hear his cry. Vechara api, my anger, my wrath will be kindled. V'arakti eshem becharev, and I will kill you. I will slay you with the sword. V'ho'yu nesechem almanos. And your wives will become widows, who yisomim, and your children will be orphans. This is like quite a message over here that it's saying that God is showing... So it's not just like a a regular... Well, if you do this, this is the punishment. There's almost a personal piece here. You know, God... We don't find by other punishments. Well, if you violate the Shabbos... You get stoned, and God's anger is going to be kindled. And you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that over here. We're also not talking about a punishment that happens in vain. This is God Himself interceding and saying, "I am going to execute you with a sword." I, you know. So we have to understand what's this personal piece over here that clearly God is interjecting, which is more than just a regular judicial process, because actually in the judicial process. process the judges are supposed to remain dispassionate. They're not supposed to, you know, get involved on an emotional level. Whatever it means by God being emotional. But that is, if he were a human, this is his, This is what he would feel. But that's not part of the judicial process. Why? Why is that? So, basically, let's just again. So we have, you're not supposed to oppress a widow of an orphan. If you do, and they cry out to God, he's going to hear. It's going to kindle his wrath. He's going to slay you with a sword. And then it says, last piece over here, which we're going to focus on, that your wives will be widows and your children will be orphans. Now, anybody have an issue with that last line? What is it actually saying? God will kill you. Okay, you're going to die. And what is it saying? And your wives will be widows and your children will be orphans. Remember, there cannot be one extra letter in the Torah that's not necessary. Right? So there, there, th- that that would be true. I mean, there is, there is, so on some level. I mean, somehow you taking advantage of, of an, uh, an orphan or a child, and therefore your children, your your, you're going to have your children are going to be that. That would be true. But let's even assume that that is. Correct, right? But that whole phrase really would seem to be redundant. Why? Because obviously what happens when you die, when a person dies, the wife will become an, uh, a widow and the children become orphans. And you could also say, well, why is he killed? Midah, kenegah, quid pro quo. There is some type of, you know, but so... That is a difficult, uh, uh, it's difficult to understand what it is that that clause is adding or enriching in our understanding of the verse, because what seemed to be is just a byproduct of what happens, and there's no need to reiterate it. Now we're going to see Rashi, who is the greatest of commentaries on the Chumash, and he takes from the Talmud, from the try to, to give us an understanding in how you should understand what the verse is trying to say, we're going to see that he himself is bothered by this question. So I'm going to add in Rashi over here. Let's get to it. And then you'll see that Rashi himself was bothered by this. Um, did I skip it? Yeah. 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 Um, here we go. Alright. Let's go through. Read, read a Rashi. Okay. It says, Vayu your... Wives will become widows, right? So, asks Rashi, Mimashma from the implication that it already says, that I'm going to, I'm going to kill you, would I not automatically know, That's our question. There's, there's no need to say that the fact that I'm going to kill you, the result is going to be your wives are going to be widows, your children. Obviously, there's no need to re-emphasize this. Says Rashi something unbelievable here. He says, Ela acheres. Actually, this is an additional curse, like an additional punishment. In addition to the fact that you're going to be killed, there's going to be something additional in the manner that how are you going to be killed. What does it mean? your death is going to be done in such a way that it means your wives are always going to be stuck being widows what does it mean they're always going to be stuck widows that the bottom line is that you're going to die but there's no one going to be able to attest that you died now if there's no one there to attest that you died what does it do to the wife she's stuck because now she has no proof, and therefore no court is going to allow her to marry. So it means they're going to. Re- the way to read it is, you're going to die, and they're going to remain stuck as being almanos, right? And they will then always be prohibited from marrying, and also the children. Now, again, anytime time there's a punishment of so children, so we have to assume that it's so much children that are above the age of of their legal majority we're not talking about little children but let's say bar mitzvah age or above they will always remain yasomim what does it mean they will always remain yasomim he says like this because what happens is when a person dies so then the estate gets divided amongst the uh, inheritors, which are the children. He says, what they're going to remain in a state of, 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 of Yosomim is that the estate will not be able to be divided up. Because in order for the estate to be divided up, we need to have, uh, certainty that the father is dead. But since they're going to be in a way that the father's going to be killed without knowing where he is, we're not going to be able to divide up the states. So Their being orphans is going to be, they're stuck as orphans. The same way as the mother is stuck as being a widow, they're going to be stuck as orphans. We won't, they won't know, was the father kidnapped? Was he killed? And therefore, so therefore, it's almost like there's a second punishment going on. A, 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 a secondary punishment. The main punishment is, you did something wrong, you went and you Abused you you, uh, you, 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 you uh, were not sensitive to a, 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 a widow or an orphan. So your punishment is you're going to get killed. But the way it happens creates a secondary punishment, right? What's the secondary punishment? That they're going to be stuck in limbo. The wife will never be able to get remarried. The child will never be able to divide up the inheritance. Okay, That's, So now Rashi has expa- explained what exactly that additional clause is coming to say. But that really opens up another whole can of worms over here. Now, there's no question, every punishment, let's say somebody has to be executed, somebody has to be incarcerated, whatever it is, always has a ripple effect to the people that are close and the people around. It's not necessarily, it's being done to punish them. It's not a punishment, but it's just, unfortunately, there is collateral damage when people make bad choices. But this seems to be more than just that. Mm -hmm. What we're saying over here, listen, this guy's dead. So how he dies, whether people know or don't, don't affect him anymore because he's dead. But it's almost like a secondary punishment that is being directed here at who? At the wife and the 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 children. Since when do we ever punish the wives and children actively? Now, we're not talking about over here just as a collateral damage type of thing, because this is going out of its way and saying, he said, not only are you going to get punished, but you're going to be punished in a way that it's going to be punishing your wife and it's going to be punishing Why should they get punished? Why should they suffer? I understand they're going to suffer if he died, even if, even if they know that he's dead, so even though she can remarry, she still suffered a loss. And the children, even if they can, they still suffer. But why add, like, almost like pouring salt on the wound? It seems that they're being punished. We don't punish children or wives for the actions of their husbands. It seems to be very difficult that there's almost a secondary... and And it's being reiterated according to what Raj is bringing down, the words of Chazal. That's what that extra clause is saying, that there is a secondary punishment. So we want to understand over here... What is that secondary punishment that's happening? So there's really a couple of things that I'd like to get clarification. I think each one of these things will create a certain understanding. Number one, the death penalty. Again, it's not a court. You don't go to court and they're going to penalize you. But it's a heavenly penalty. But it seems, it needs to be understood that why would that be the appropriate penalty you went, okay fine, you were not sensitive to an, a widow, you were not sensitive to the orphan, that there should be a death penalty associated with it, even if it's a heavenly one. You know, so, in order just to create that your wife will be a widow and your, that still doesn't justify what would seem to be a very heavy-handed punishment. For again, it's terrible. People should never take care, take advantage of a widow. Should never take advantage of a uh, orphan. But it seems to be a bit of a heavy-handed punishment that God and and, and the fury and it's with a sword. And also, why is that emotional piece put in there? And then, lastly, we're trying to understand is that why does it seem to be that some of this vengeance is being directed not al- only. Primarily, it's at the person who did it, but there's a secondary, right? It's not as bad. I mean, not, they're not getting killed, but it's pretty pretty harsh being stuck in limbo that she can't get married or them stuck that they cannot become financially uh, independent now having ta- taking the, to be able to use the estate that was left. That seems to be a little bit harsh, uh, uh, you know, quite harsh. I'm trying to understand it. So those are the questions that we are trying to understand over here. So I'd like to suggest the following, and uh, I think this actually, I don't know if I'm going to get into, but I, I think that, listen, the concept of bullying is something that's in that everyone's mind and every school is dealing with those issues. And, and I think it touches on it a little bit. Maybe we can go full circus circle at the end and, 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 and touch on it. But what I wanted to start with is the following. Clearly, God's involvement over here must mean the following. Is that people pick on... The Almona, or pick on the Yosom. Why do they pick on them? Right? right? In a in a in a in a family within God, everybody is alive. You know, if you start off start up with someone's kid, or you start up with someone's wife, what's going to end up happening? Well, you start up the kid, you know, you are going to have a parent, you know, coming after you. And if you start up with the wife, you are going to have a husband coming after you. You know, the knowledge when you start off, there's a, there's a, there's a sensitivity missing over here. There's a per- person is not sensitive or maybe is being sensitive to the fact that she doesn't have the wife or she doesn't have, they don't have a father. And therefore we understand God says, you know what? I'm part of the mix as well. Every family, there's a father, there's a mother, and there's God's involvement. You know, the same as Gemara Sota that it says, Ishva Isha. The word for man is ish. The word for isha for woman is isha, right? And the, they they have each one has one letter. There's a yud by ish. There's a hay. So, and, and the grammar says over there, if God is between them, so then it's a family unit. If God is removed, you move the yud and the hay, then it's ish, then it's consuming fire. But that's that's the so if God is involved, then it, it meshes. God's not involved then you're left with a consuming fire. You're left with an left, But God is involved. But here God gets more involved. Because usually there's a father that can stand up for the kid. There's a husband that can stand up for the wife. God says, you know what? If there's no f- husband or father, you're starting up with me. I am stepping in, and I am going to stand up for this kid. He doesn't have a father I'm taking. I'm going to take that role. She doesn't have a husband. I'm going to take that role. I am going to, and it's going to be the same way as you find out someone started with your kid. There's an emotional response. You right away, you know, and you start something started with your wife. There's an emotional response. God says, I'm going to give that emotional response. The question though is that it seems to be very harsh. You know, death. Why is that? So here's an unbelievable insight, and I think it's something we have to think about which has a much, much broader scale. Obviously, if a wife has lost her husband, that's a tremendous tragedy. A child has lost a father, it's a tremendous tragedy. And we actually have a mandated period of catharsis there is built into the system the whole idea of the burial. And then you have the Shiva. And then you have the Shloshim. And then you have the year when it's apparent. Is there to create a cathartic feeling. It's there to be able to allow a person to move on. There's like, you almost, it, it, I, I wouldn't say we forget completely, but the sensitivities become dulled that allow you to move on with your life. That's the idea that, that gives catharsis. I know people have told me that sometimes, you know, when Rahman when, when a death happens right before Tov, it wipes out the mourning period. And people are told they were never able to move on because they never got that cathartic period, they never got it. Now think about this for a moment. A woman knows she doesn't have the husband there to defend her. A child knows I don't have my father here. To defend me like the other children have or the other wives have and someone starts picking on them someone starts taking advantage on them what that does it reopens the wound the feeling of i've lost my husband or i've lost my child is reopened every single time somebody takes advantage of them they start feeling again as if he just passed away, or as if he just died, because they know that, why are you picking on me? Why? Because you know there's no one here to defend you, there's no one here to take care of you, and therefore you're starting up with me. So what basically what you've done by starting up with these people is you reopened the wound as if that death has just occurred. So every time you start up with somebody that they sense that the reason you're starting up with them is because of the situation they're in, you're causing them to relive. Over and over again, they're reliving the death of their parent. They're reliving the death of their husband. They go to sleep crying at night. Why is my father not here? Why is my husband not here? And therefore God said, you are causing someone to relive death over and over. You know what I'm going to do to you? Rahman Rachmanalef'slam. <laughs> what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you experience what death is like. You're making them experience the death Over and over, I'm going to make you experience what that is. That's the response. That's why it's not heavy-handed. You're causing this person to feel death over and over and over. That's what the, the... That's what is... All right, now. So, we've answered over here why God is interjecting Himself. Because He feels He needs to stand up for that. You're taking advantage of someone that doesn't have the father, that doesn't have the husband... God is going to be the father, God is going to be the husband. You're also wise it's that's not heavy-handed because what you're doing is causing them to relive the death of that person over and over. God is going to give you that experience of what it means to experience death. That is the quid pro quo, that is the meaning. But our question was, and this is what we're going to focus on, is our question was that how do we justify that there should be a penalty? It seems very, very difficult that there should be a penalty against — I understand this guy's terrible guy. This guy's an insensitive guy. This guy doesn't have the sensitivities and understanding the empathy of what he should be feeling. I understand why you're punishing him, and he's getting the primary punishment of no question. But why are you creating a secondary punishment for his wife? by making her to be an alman of surura, that she's now stuck, that she doesn't know that she can't get married because she doesn't know that he's dead. Or that the children cannot have their Yerusha. Why are you punishing them? Why? That was our question. (coughs) Collateral damage, I understand. But there would have been enough collateral damage if we know that he died. The fact that she knows, that's collateral damage. But it seems to be directed here at the wife... Of this fellow. And at the children. Of this fellow. So I want to share with you something over here. And I heard this. Is my Roshiba. At first. I gave a double take. Because it seemed to be very difficult. But it's a very very scary, scary notion. And I, I wanted to. I wanted to share that with you. This fellow. Right. That is. Acting in this disgusting manner. Towards an Almona. Or is acting in a disgusting manner. Towards a. Yasim, Towards an orphan. Clearly. The fact that he doesn't have that empathy, right, means that he does not have that sensitivity. He does not have that sensitivity of how important it is to have a father in the family. Or how important it is to have, to have a husband for a wife. He doesn't have that, because if he really had that sensitivity, if he really understood that, then he would be able to empathize Rahmanus, Look at this woman that doesn't have that important role of the husband. Or look at this child that doesn't have this important role of the father. And if he understood the importance of that role, then he would not be able to do what he's doing to them. Clearly he's able to do it to them because he doesn't have that sensitivity. So now let's think for a moment. Why doesn't he have that sensitivity of understanding what it means to be a husband? Why doesn't he have that understanding of what it means to be a father? Now this is a very scary thing and I'm going to share with you, but we have to build up on it. In every relationship, and this is a whole new devil of a relationship, in a relationship there is, okay, we come together, there's something we want to accomplish. We come together and... We want to make sure it's a successful relationship, and obviously I appreciate having this relationship, but we're going to see over here that in relationships, when we have relationships, it is responsi- the responsibility of each party is to make the other person understand how important they are to that relationship. Each party, which means that it is the wife's responsibility Just as it's the husband's responsibility to make the wife feel how important she is to him as a wife, it is also the wife's responsibility to make the husband feel how important he is to her as a husband. Now, that's a logical thing, but that's not always what happens. You know? That's not always the message that we give across. But that's the point that has to be done. And similarly, by the way, similarly, it is the child's responsibility, and obviously when a child gets older, he can more appreciate that, the child's responsibility is to make the parent realize how important it is to the child that he has the parent. Which, by the way, also is, it's important to the parent to give the child the sense of how important he is to them as a child. So there is a symbiotic relationship, a reciprocal relationship between two parties that each party needs to give the other party the sense that they cannot be replaced. The sense of how important they are. So now let's step back a moment. This fellow can go over and antagonize an almona. He can antagonize a widow. He can antagonize an orphan. So we said, clearly, he does not have the sensitivity of how important it is to be a husband. How important it is to be a father. Because if he really understood how important it was, then what? He wouldn't have been able to do that. So let's step back for a moment. Why doesn't he have that sensitivity? Why doesn't he have that sensitivity? Now, it could be, he's a, he's a primary form. This is very, very important, because I'm not doing what na- they do nowadays. Nowadays, it's all deflecting responsibility. We're not doing, we're not deflecting responsibility. At the end of the day, the primary responsibility and the person that's going to get punished and is going to lose his life is Who? He's going to lose it. He cannot say, oh, it's not my fault. No, that we're not playing that game. He is responsible for his actions, and he's going to lose his life. What we're saying over here is, but there's also secondary responsibility. And the secondary responsibility, those, those who participate are also going to get punished. Now, let's say, step back, meaning like this. He doesn't know what it means to really be a husband. Because if he really knew what it means to be a husband... He wouldn't be able to take advantage of a woman that does not have a husband. Why doesn't he know how it means to be a husband? That means he never got the feeling from his wife how important it is that I need to be a husband. She never gave him that feeling. Now again, it could be, well, he never gave her the feeling how important. That could be. He is being the one who's primary partner. That's not the question. But the fact is that if he doesn't know what it means to be a husband, he never got that feeling from his wife. And if he doesn't know how important it is to be a father, you know what that means? He never got that feeling from his kids. Says the Torah, in cases like that, it's not just enough that he's going to die. In that case, the people that also contributed to what happened over here are going to get punished. And how do they get punished? It's I get me midah she doesn't know what it she never instilled in him what it means to be a husband she loses the right to really be a wife how does she lose that right to be a wife she's stuck she's not able to marry anyone else and the children their rights as a child is a right to inherit they lose their right to get that right of a child they don't get that right to be able to inherit. Meaning, again, we're talking about we're not talking about little kids, we're talking about people that are already older, that understand, because that's when listen, as you get older in life and you understand more, that's when you really start appreciating what your parents did for you more. Right? That's when that's when like, you know, when we're little we don't think about it, but when we get older, that's when you have to start showing that appreciation and start focusing on what it is that they did. We are The general condition is we focus about all the deficiencies, what you never gave me and what I never had because now we don't have to focus on what they did give you by focusing on them. But we're responsible for focusing and making them feel like You were a great parent. At least you gave me this. At least you gave me that. Giving him that feeling of importance of what it means to be a parent. That we can do as a child. Child doesn't do that. Parent doesn't know understand what it means to be a parent. And the importance of being a parent. Therefore, he can take advantage, and will take advantage sometimes, of somebody that's an orphan because he doesn't have that sensitivity. So therefore, there is a secondary punishment. Now, I understand this is like... You know, it seems very harsh. But the message, the takeaway that we need to take away over here is, is the bottom line is, if we are a husband, we need to make it clear to our wife how important it is for her to be our wife. If we're a wife, how important it is. Because that, not only, by the way... Shows a sensitivity and develops a sensitivity in this relationship, but that also allows the person how to develop. You know, have all these situations where people are not being faithful. I mean, you know, that means they don't appreciate the sanctity of their own marriages. Because if they appreciate the sanctity of their own marriages, they wouldn't be able to go and ruin somebody else's marriage. So when you focus on building up and making your relationship as strong as it healthy as it does, it also protects other relationships that these people will now also. And that comes to children, too. And it's also our own children. We have the responsibility of showing how important they are to us, and they have to show how important we are to them. There has to be that reciprocal relationship. There has to be on a, and And we have to think of practical ways Practical ways how you appreciate and express appreciation constantly. You know, it's something that, you know, well, they know I, no, well, they know is not enough. They need to hear how much you love them. They need to hear how much you appreciate them. And it has to be something that is so clear to them, it builds up their confidence, it builds up their sense of being loved, it builds up... And, and, and this, again, this is on, on all levels, because at the end of the day, if somebody show, lacks that empathy, and lacks that sensitivity, yes, they're the ones that primary are going to be punished, but there's also a secondary punishment for not having instilled that with our significant other or within our children or children within their parents. So that's the idea over here. I think it's a mind-opening thing. Now, where I want to get into bullying as well, where it touches a little bit on bullying, is, uh, is uh, when is it considered bullying? Now today, anytime somebody does something, that's bullying. Now that's not bullying. But bullying is where somebody is uh, in a position to uh, take advantage of somebody that is beneath them, or somebody that has within them not does not have the ability to stand up, or have others stand up for them, right? And so, two things you see that the some of the, one of the serious seriousness of bullying, a person that is bullied, right? He understands, you know, he's taking advantage of me because I'm the weakling. He's taking advantage of me because I have this issue, and this is something that bothers me all the time. But he is now. The fact that he is taking advantage of me... It just reiterates that shortcoming that I have in my mind. It might be real, might not be real. The same way he says, like causing the person to die over and over, really what you're doing when you're bullying somebody, why is it me they're bullying, is because I have that shortcoming and you relive that shortcoming. It just ing- st- ingrains it and it, 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 it makes it just go deeper and deeper into that person's being and psyche and sometimes to the point where they cannot even extricate it. That's in terms of what, what, it, what it means. And also the other thing is, which is that, and this is something that we as a school or any authority have to take advantage. The same way as what allows a husband, allows a person to take advantage of a woman that doesn't have a husband or a child. Because he doesn't believe there's anyone that's going to stand up for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which means that it, on some level, it means that there's lacking your sense, of the bully's sense or the person taking advantage, that there's no higher authority. Because if you felt there was a higher authority that would stand up for them, then you wouldn't be able to do it. Which means, and that's really why bullying has become so prevalent today. Because today there's no respect for authority altogether. When there's no respect for authority, that means I don't have to worry about, well, i pick on your own size. There's no one my own size. There's no I can pick on them because there's no authority. Which means that one of the ways to stop... That type of behavior is to make it clear that there is authority. When there is a sense of authority, that even if the person does not have that sensitivity, but he is worried about repercussions, so therefore, but I, I think today you see that problem more more prevalent than ever, is because we don't have And now, going back to what we are saying before, and part of the reason why a, children or anybody today does not feel there's authority, because that comes also, parents don't instill that sense of authority. If parents instill a sense of authority, their authority, school's authority, the country's authority, God's authority... That also diminishes people taking advantage of those that are less fortunate than them. But when you don't sense any of this, it's open season, then you're going to end up having. So therefore, on a broader level, it is, we have that responsibility to instill, especially in our children, the sense that there is authority. You know, back in the day, the school was never wrong, you know, and the kid was never right. I'm not saying that that's 100% to do it, but today it's exactly the opposite. The kid is never wrong and the school is never right. You just undermine the entire integrity of the authority of a school. Then things that end up happening, oh, well, there's no authority. Then you can do whatever you want. Absolutely. Anyway, so that is what I'd like to share with you today. And uh, please, God, you guys, you guys will get out there. We'll, we'll build this up a little bit, get back to We used to have 20 people showing up. Please, God, will continue and it goes well. All right.